Amen. I appreciate that uh, Howard told the right uh, biblical literacy jokes. He did not tell the one about uh, John the Baptist and the dating philosophy we try and discourage with our children. You know, John the Baptist went out in the wilderness and took his wild honey and nectar. And... uh, Anyway... uh, Is wild. You know what John the Baptist and Winnie the Pooh have in common? Same middle name. It's okay. John the Baptist, Winnie the Pooh, same middle name. This is why we start with Genesis. We've got to work up to these things. Okay? Um, If you don't have a lesson, raise your hand. They'll pass you one with lesson four. We also have old lessons. If you need old lessons, they're available as well, and, and we finally got copies of those. Um, lessons are on the website. Uh, uh, we're shy one or two, I think, but uh, uh, I'll get those to Eric, and he'll get those. Um, we will try and get uh, lessons ahead of time on the website, and uh, we will be moving. Um, I am excited this morning. I'm excited about what we have to, to go through uh, and where we've been. If I look through this, so much of what we understand as Christians is rooted in the book of Genesis. And someone uh, must be saying, though they haven't said it yet to me, gee, we're in Genesis chapter 3 and it's week 4. By my mathematics, I may not live through the end of this class. Um, Y'all have been polite not to say that to me, but rest assured, uh, uh, things pick up substantially. But there are places where we need to spend some time. And, and Genesis and the creation account are a foundation of our faith. That's why God gave them to us. And so it, part of being biblically literate in my mind, okay, hear me here, one of our goals, this is like a two for class, okay? You get two for the price of one. One of the things that goes hand in hand with being biblically literate as a people is being Theologically literate. Okay? Theolo- theology comes from two Greek words, theos, which means God, and logos, which means study or, or word or, or logic. Okay? So theology means the study of God. And in addition to being biblically literate people, I think it's extremely important we be theologically literate as well. Allow me to give you a pointed illustration. We go to a wonderful church with one of the best pastors and preachers uh, in God's kingdom. Okay? There are other churches where you may go some Sunday where the preacher is not so well grounded scripturally. And the difference if you have theology is incredible. Because theology allows you to listen and discern truth and and things that, that may be heresy. Here's your example from this morning. Damon stands up and Damon takes a three-minute uh, 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 point of driving home the fact that we were created. None of us are here by accident. That we are an accident is a lie from Satan and the depths of hell. 
that God made each of us very special and very unique, and we are to be valued not only in each other's eyes, but in our own eyes. Remember that point he made? That is a profound theological point. And DeMond does not take the time to explain to you because it would take his whole lesson and it, it would, he would lose his point. He doesn't take the time to say, this is what we learn in Genesis in the creation account. DeMond put in a three-minute nutshell what we went into more depth in in week number two. As you follow through the biblical literacy class, it's our hope that we will be theologically literate. So that when we're sitting out, if we listen to DeMond, we're able to say, Amen, isn't it wonderful to have such a theologically grounded pastor that he is able to speak these things so clearly and so cleanly. By the same token, if you ever get to a place where someone is standing up and speaking heresy, you will have the grounding to say, Wait a minute, that's not right. I know differently. Because I know if you have someone who stands up and says, Hey, you're just chance. You just happen to show up here. You're a, a, a cosmic lucky union between your mom's egg and your dad's sperm. You've got the wherewithal to say, No, that's heresy. That's not true. Okay? So as, as we're looking at this class, we're not only working on biblical literacy, we're working on theological literacy. And that requires us to spend a little bit of time in Genesis where theology is rooted. That's where we've dealt with the worth or value of mankind. That's where we've dealt with the idea that we have an infinite, a personal, and a moral creator. That's where we've dealt with the idea that man himself and herself is finite, yet still personal and moral. That's where we've seen that we have a purpose. These are all places we've been so far. Last week we talked about the fact that we also see there the enemy and that we're involved in a spiritual battle. What we have left to cover are these last two points from the Genesis accounts of creation. Number one, we live in a fallen world. And number two, family is not something that's convenient and set up by government or social workers. Family is designed by God. And so, our Genesis lessons today, we're going to talk about we live in a fallen world. Next week, Lewis will be preaching, uh, speaking, teaching, whatever we call it. Uh, Lewis Miori, who's the, the, the counseling minister here at the church. And as I tell him all the time, he's a family expert. And so, he will be here to speak on family as designed by God and try to make it a very practical message on, on how we can live. And then after that, for the following weeks, we're going to walk through the patriarchs. We're going to move through Genesis, Exodus, uh, uh, with some rapidity to, to get ourselves up to the law and uh, talking about the law. Now, as we look at today, i got to ask you some questions. And uh, these are your questions. All right? Question number one. What's wrong with this world? How many of you have seen that the world's got problems? Okay, so I'm not alone asking this question. There's something wrong here. And I'd like to know what it is. I want to know why bad things happen. I want to know why they happen to bad people. I want to know why they happen to good people. I read Kushner's book, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? I wasn't satisfied. I still want to know. I got some friends that are really good people that have a real raw deal. And I've seen some really bad people who have a really good deal. And it doesn't make sense to me and I don't like it. Question. Okay. 
Number three, why is work so stressful? Have you noticed this? <laughs> it's true. One of the benefits of our website that Eric had, had set up with input from others, and in fact, this was an input from, from um, one of the Hopper's kids. I call them their kids. They get all these exchange students. But uh, a format for questions and answers, which Eric has put in there. And we've gotten two questions so far. Um, and, and the second one I got yesterday evening when we got back in town and it said, hey, you said you were going to talk about why it was work stressful and you never did. And so uh, it was more polite than that, but I didn't answer it because I did today. Why is work so stressful? Why are relationships so difficult? Have you ever noticed you don't have to work to mess up a relationship? You've got to work to keep from messing them up. The messing them up comes naturally. Have you ever noticed? It's like kids and disobedience. Who has to teach their kids to disobey? Mine learned it from the womb. Kids don't have to be taught to disobey, to be disrespectful. And you can sum all these questions up with this ultimate question. If God is so good, why is his creation so bad? Now, those of us who are Christians may not ask these questions, or if we ask them, we may not dwell on them. We may just accept our lot in life. But I promise you that there are people both in the Lord and outside the Lord that ask these questions. And these are very legitimate questions. There is nothing wrong with asking these questions. My answer, we live in a fallen world. In fact, uh-huh. That is our theology term du jour. Make a note. If you want to make it in your Bible somewhere, make it in Genesis 3, starting with about verse 17. You can just write in the margin, we live in a fallen world. Take a moment. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Starting with verse 17, anywhere around there you want to, we live... In a fallen world. A fallen world. This is a theolo theological term that we all need. We need this. The, one of the times I needed it, uh, uh, our son Will is 18. When Will was... Enough said. Huh? Enough said. Yeah, enough said. Yeah, well, he got... No, actually... It's the daughters where it's enough said. <laughs> Guys are easy. These girls, I don't understand it. There's something about hormones and stuff. and You just kind of fasten your seatbelt and hold on for the ride. Someone says it gets better when they hit 40. Um, the uh, Although Becky's 41 and I'm not sure that's true. No. Uh, it's a joke. She's been great the last week. Oh! The, the, um, what do you think we're having for lunch now? The, uh, uh, <laughs> I got the car keys. Uh, the uh, uh, when Will was about three years old, he was. Uh, uh, I don't think he's in here today. He comes occasionally. Are you in here, Will? Oh, good. I'll give you all the real version. Um, he was scared to death of bugs, of um, uh, anything, uh, uh, just anything that, that girls should be afraid of, he was afraid of. 
seemed to me. So I decided I was failing as his father, and I needed to change that. So, what could I do to change it? Well, I never really fished that much since I had been a child, because I just didn't care that much for fishing, but I decided fishing might be the answer. Because if you want to fish, you dig worms. You can't be afraid of the worm because you got to put the worm on the hook. You can't, yeah, you get it up, you get a fish, you got to touch the fish to get him off the hook. I thought, this is going to teach my boy how to be a man. So I took my three year old son, we went down to Academy and we bought this little flimsy two man little raft. And not being a fisherman in Houston, I, I, we lived in Copperfield, I didn't know where to fish. So I, we got this little raft with this little paddle, and we got our little fishing poles and our little hooks, and we went out in my garden. I didn't know how to garden. We dug up some worms, and we got some worms, and we put the boat on top of the, the, the little car that we had, and we got in it and started driving for water, and we were headed out to 290. We found the Brazos River. Well, I know a little more now than I did then. I had children at a young age. I was only 14. And <laughs> I, was, I was this 25-year-old lawyer without a clue, I guess, at the time. And uh, um, so we pull off 290, and we go down under the bridge. And the drop from the, the bank area, if you call it that, to the water was about four feet. So I've got this big boat, so I... I've got a rope tied off, and I really don't have a clue what I'm doing, and I drop the boat down there. And uh, the current is just whoosh! And that boat was just whoosh! But I was holding on to the rope, and I pulled the boat back and, and tied the rope off on something and got down in this uh, little flimsy boat. And I, I did have a life jacket on Will, and bless his heart, he's the most trusting wonderful kid has always been he's just standing there he, he I guess he's destined to go to UT he sucked the two middle fingers like this <laughs> he's just standing there at the bank this kid in a life jacket bigger than he is like this watching me try to get the poles in there try to shimmy down in there and I reach up and I said um, come here Will I'm going to put you in the boat and the boat's just you know, it's this flimsy little $25 Raft. Actually, it's more suitable probably for it being in a swimming pool. And uh, uh, he just comes forward with all the trust in the world. And there is a voice, not audible, but almost shouting in my brain, you're an idiot for doing this. You're an absolute idiot for doing this. And I thought, huh, wonder if I'm an idiot for doing this. So I said, stop right there. Don't come another step forward. I climbed out of the boat. I said, we're going to go find another place to fish. I don't like this place. So I pulled it up. Well, we went driving, and we finally found some place that looked like real men lived there. And, and I said, so, anybody ever put in a boat and fish there in the Brazos River? And they said, no, uh, only idiots. And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, occasionally some idiot will, but the undercurrent is so bad and the current's so swift, it sucks people under. And they go, you know, you don't find them until Richmond. Wow, my goodness. And I said, oh, well, where should we go fishing? Oh, there's a creek up the right here, and let's just go fish in that creek, which is what we did. And as we went, Will said to me, because he was a smart kid, he says, Dad, why aren't we going back to go into the water? And I said, well, Will, the, the, the river's not, that's not a good place to go in. And he said, why? And I said, because it sucks people under. And he said, oh. And about a minute later, my wise little three-year-old son says to me, 
Why did God make a river that would suck people under? And I said, well, Will, this is a wonderful time to have a theology term du jour. <laughs> Let's talk about the fallen world. And in the best language I could, I tried to teach him. We live in a fallen world. What we mean by that is that sin has brought forth a number of curses. Now, I've written this very purposefully like this. Um, I, I want you to realize, let's see if this works, that sin has brought forth a number of curses. The curses are pronounced by God. The curses are the result of sin. We see God cursing the earth. These curses are in Genesis chapter 3. God curses the earth in Genesis 3.17. He says to Adam, because you ate from the tree, because of the sin, cursed is the ground. And he emphasizes it, because of you. See, the ground is cursed. The earth is cursed because of what Adam did. Um, let's go back for a moment and talk about this. God created this world to be perfect. And when we read Genesis as God creates it, in Genesis 1, God says it's good. God did not create the Brazos River to suck people under and kill them. God created this world to be a good place for man and woman to inhabit and dwell in, in the riches and the glories of Eden, utopia, perfection. Where man had the ability to exercise dominion and control over the earth, rather than the earth controlling him. Where things were good and things were fruitful and things multiplied, rather than being destructive and tearing down. And when Adam and Eve sinned, the world which was their charge came under this curse. Let's keep looking at the curses and then we'll go into more detail. God also curses man and his work. If you look in Genesis 3, 17 through 19 at the portions I've pulled out here. And these curses you need to underline in your Bible. The curses are important. They explain a lot of our questions I was asking. To Adam, he said, because you ate of the tree, because of your sin, through painful toil, you will eat of the ground all the days of your life. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. Work is first and foremost an activity we engage in to make sure there is food on our table and clothes on our back. Generally, most of us do not work for the fun of it. It doesn't mean some of us don't have jobs we enjoy. I enjoy my work as much as anybody I know enjoys their work. But it doesn't change the fact that the principal reason I work is to make sure that our family is provided for. Given a choice today between going to work or goofing off, <laughs> If the money were the same, I would pick goofing off. <laughs> Given a choice between going to work and playing with my family. If it weren't a question of provision, 
and stewardship of talents and gifts and calling, all of these are rolled up into one, I would choose to play with family. There's a third curse that's contained here. God curses woman in two ways, both in childbearing and struggles in her relationship with her husband. To the woman, this is Genesis 3.16, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. How many of you uh, women, not men, have given birth to children? I was in the room. I didn't think it hurt that much. No. Um, It is through pain you not only give birth to children, it is through pain we rear these children. Right? Um, Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And that's not just some nice sociological statement. In the Hebrew, this is a curse that God's pronouncing and it's one that, that says there is struggle in the relationship. If there is struggle that's been given to the woman, that relationship is going to be one that is a struggle. Um, Because the struggle is also part of man. Man and woman are one. A curse to one is a curse to the other. If man is cursed in the workplace and there are stresses with a job in a marriage, the woman bears those stresses too. She either bears them directly as she just is one with her husband and, and or she's out working in her own job and she's got the stresses there or she bears them indirectly um, because it affects the way the husband is at home. Um, Lewis will explain all this and fix it next week. Um, now, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave the marriage stuff to him. Um, why did God give these curses? Why did God pronounce these curses? Um, We are not given a full answer to this. Please understand it's never been God's intention to educate you fully to be God. It's always been God's intention to educate you fully to be who you need to be. You see that distinction? It's never been God's intention, nor is it the purpose of the Bible, to answer all of your questions so that you can be God and know what he knows. It has always been God's intention to provide you answers to the questions you need to be you. If you have questions you don't know the answers to, don't accept ignorance. Seek them out. Study to show thyself approved unto God, Paul wrote Timothy. A workman having no need to be ashamed. But in addition to that, as you study and as you seek the answers, do not. Do not ever think you will get them all. Okay? We're not fully told why the curses are there, but we are told that the curses are the direct result of man's sin and rebellion. Cursed are you because you ate of the tree. Cursed is the ground because of you. The curses come as a result of sin. There is a very, very important lesson for all of us here. A lesson that comes from this that you need to to engrave upon your brain because it should affect everything you do. Here's the lesson. 
your actions and my actions have a result on other people and have a result on the world around us. I would love to say you can do anything you want and it will not affect anything else. But that is not true and that's not the biblical lesson. The Bible teaches us in this creation account and the fallen world that the actions you and I have, the choices we make, the deeds we do can affect other people and can affect the world around us. If you go out and you get drunk and you drive a car and you get in a wreck, do not blame the Lord. As a choice you made, as a choice I made. Well, I didn't make it. I, I hadn't done that. But if I did it, I'd make, be making it. You make choices in life. I make choices in life. They have a result on the world around us and they have a result on other people. Who in here was affected by Adam and Eve's sin? All of us. And I plan on talking to them about it one day. <laughs> I would have at least liked a year or two in the garden. Right. Um, curses. This is not just God, some rickety old man sitting up in a rocking chair. Saying, hey, they did something wrong. I'm going to zap them. Give me a lightning bolt over there. Bam! All right. That, that is not good theology. That's heresy. Good theology says that what happens in the world around us is a result of sin. The bad things come from sin. The good things come from God. The mercy and the grace that extends over our mistakes that gives us another chance in life, those come from God. When Jesus comes down, Jesus says in John 3, He who believes... Wait, for God to love the world, He gave it to God start at the beginning or like that click. For God to love the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The last verse in that chapter, Jesus says that those who have faith are saved, but those who do not believe, I think it's verse 33, on them the wrath of God remains. God's wrath is poured out upon sin. But God's mercy is poured out upon sinners. The curses are not God's fault. They are the true result of sin. If, here's the best example I can think of. Uh, go home and light a candle. Okay? Get a good flame going. Take your hand and stick it in the flame. You know what will happen? You will get burned. Do you know why? Because fire burns you. We used to grow up and, and uh, Dad's got seven jokes that he tells. And one of the seven jokes is if something's pulled out of the oven and is hot, and you say, ah, it's hot. He'd say, yeah, well, you'd be hot too if you'd been in there for 30 minutes at 350 degrees. <laughs> You know, it's a funny joke, sort of. Um, but it, it, uh, uh, it's a true statement. You put your hand in the fire, you will get burned. If you do that, don't say, why did God burn me? 
The burn is a natural result of sticking your hand in the fire. The curses are a natural result of man living in rebellion. God created this world. God set it up. God said, within my rules, here is the world. Man said, I don't want your rules. I don't want my world with your rules. I'd rather set up my own rules. And I'd rather have my own world. And instead of living in the area of God, I'd rather live in the area of man. Um, I, I, I forgot white paper. Wait, here's an extra one. Um, here. This is God. Okay? This is, uh, what would it be if it's not God? It would be not God. <laughs> How's that? Pretty theologically profound, huh? Okay, this is God. Do you know what? Do you know what's inside God? Life. Um, what else? Love. Goodness. Yeah, I'm hearing. I, I listen to too much rock music. I can't tell what y'all are saying, but it sounds good. Um, life, love, goodness. Uh, did someone say truth? Peace. Joy, patience. Yeah, fruits of the spirit. We'll just put an apple. <laughs> That's not the apple they ate. Okay? Biblical literacy, the fruit that was eaten was never called anything. So we don't know if it was an apple or not. Okay? That's just a freebie. It was painted in the, like the fifth century in some painting as an apple. And uh, but don't ever think, hey man, I ate the apple. We don't know. Now, is it is this it underwater? Do y'all see it kind of waving? Okay. Wondering if it was my perspective. Now, this is the world as God made it. This is man as made in God's image. Man said, I don't want to be in God's image, and I don't want these things. So instead of living this life, Man came over here and stepped outside. Sin caused man to go where there is not God. God man, man quit from being in God's circle and went into the not God circle because God does not sin. See, sin is out here. Perfection is in here. You follow what I mean? Man left perfection, which was part of God. And man went to sin, which is part of not God. By the way, do you know who rules out here? The enemy. Satan, the enemy. We went into his ground. And instead of life, do you know what's out here? Death. Death. And instead of love, do you know what's out here? It's a great question. No, not hate. Because we hate what is evil. Selfishness is the opposite of godly love. All about me. Paul says in Romans, let your love be genuine. Hate what is evil. See, hate of evil is part of, of that's godliness. God hates evil. All right. Um, love. Goodness. What's out here? Badness. <laughs> Living in the badlands, Bruce Springsteen would say. Truth is in God. What's out here? Lies. Lies. Peace is with God. What's out here? Not peace. Discontent. Yeah. Unpeace. <laughs> Stress yeah. Turmoil Joy's in here, what's out here? Sadness. Misery, sadness 
Patience is in here. What's out here? Impatience. Impatience. We'll abbreviate it. The world was no longer in here. The world was out here. Now, if this is what the world becomes, do you see why we say we live in a fallen world? Do you see why what we see around us is discontent, sin, lies, selfishness, death, badness, misery, <laughs> impatience? This was not, these things did not come because God was just cranky and in a bad mood on the day Adam and Eve sinned. This came because Adam and Eve chose to quit living with God and chose to live outside of God. And this is what is outside of God. It is a direct consequence of sin just as much as putting your hand in the fire causes you to burn. So our actions have an effect upon people. Whoops. Um, so we, we remember from this that our actions have an effect upon people in the world around us. So now let's go back to these questions as we close. What's wrong with this world? It's fallen. We live in a fallen world. Bad things do happen. They happen because the world is under bondage to sin and to Satan. Satan has become the prince of this world. This world is not the way God made it. This world is under a curse that was brought about by sin. This world is a testimony in all of its fallenness to the, 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 the badness that exists outside of God. And the only reason this world is not destroyed right now is because God has patience. And because God says, I'm waiting till the right time where all of my children are redeemed. And then I will destroy this world and I will rebuild it. And we will get it right next time again. And next time my people who have been redeemed will walk in goodness and love and mercy. That's the world we were called for. Why is work so stressful? Because we're now living in a world where we've set the death... Well, I'm going to strike that sentence. Let me change it. The original world had God's provision for man. God was the provider. We now live in a world where God says the world's under a curse and you've got to go out there and provide for yourself. Does that mean God's shut his eyes? Was Thomas Jefferson right in his deism that God's just made all of this? Let us mess it up and now he just sits back and watches it like uh, uh, we might watch a TV show? No. God's hand is still involved. We only get our daily bread because of the Lord. But it is still bearing the marks of the struggles against a fallen world that we gather in. Adam and Eve were told, or Adam was told, it'll be among thorns and thistles and by the sweat of your brow that you earn your living. We earn our living no differently today. Technology and societal development means not all of us go out and farm for our food. But whatever we do for provision for us and our families is something that is stressful and it's the only reason we have the term work. Because it is work. And it is not fun. Uh, well, I mean, it, it can. You, God, God redeems so many of these things. Even in the midst of the fallen world, we find the promise of eternal life by God keeping His hand in it. But the good things come from the Lord. 
Why are relationships so difficult? Because sin is entered in. You take sin out of your marriage. You take sin out of your parenting and out of your kids. Be a breeze. Think about it. How tough would parenting be if there was no sin in your kids? How tough would parenting be if your kids, every thought was, gee, how can I serve mom and dad and the world around me? How tough would the teenage years be if once those girls hit that age, their every thought was, what can I do to serve? What can I do to make others happy and, and right with God? Oh, what would you like for Christmas? An opportunity to go work in a food line and give every gift that I would ever get to the poor. And that that takes a lot of the difficulty and sting out of this. Why are relationships so difficult? Because of sin. Why do Damon and Lewis and others teach us righteous and holy living? Because it will bring the life and the joy and the peace. And if you sow sin in your relationships, you're just sowing into a vicious cycle that Paul says in Romans is a, a cycle of sin and death. It's a whirlpool that just keeps sinking down lower and lower. If God is so good, why is His creation so bad? Because it was messed up by sin. Now, are these easy answers? Well, they might sound kind of easy. And I'm not suggesting that we are able in 30 minutes to answer perplexing problems philosophers have been debating for centuries. But I will tell you this. I believe these are the answers. Because this is what the Bible says. And you can gnaw through them and chew on them for hours and hours. When you're doing it and you walk away from this class, these are your last points to remember. Take these with you so that this class is not just a downer of, gee, we live in a fallen world. And uh, sorry I, I snapped at you, but hey, we live in a fallen world. Um, that, that's should never be the uh, excuse. Number one, God is bigger than the fallen world. Remember that, please. Take heart in that. Take courage in that. Number two, God gives us the ability and tools to cope with the fallen world. Um, science is a tool of God. It's not something that just happened. It's something God has put in place with rules and laws. Natural resources are a tool of God. It's not just something that just happened to develop. We've got access to those. We can build homes that keep us warm and keep us dry. We can build air conditioners that keep us cool. We can farm with technology that will feed more and more people. We can use medicine to try and help with illnesses and, and pain. These are tools that God has given us to combat the fallen world. That's the theology behind them. And then finally, God will remake the us. <laughs> I think thee did not belong in that. It, it goes behind and. God will remake us and, oh yeah, you're right. The world with the second coming of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And we'll be in a place where there will be no more tears, no more crying. We'll be in a place where there is not stress. You're not working for your food. Your relationships are in order. 
and peace and joy reigns, not a bad place to be, is it? That's our promise. Would you close with me in prayer? Our Lord and our Father, we thank you for what you have revealed to us in, in the, the Bible. We thank you for what you revealed to us in our heart. And Lord, what we read makes so much sense with the way we see the world. And we uh, um, praise you for opening our eyes and opening our hearts and our minds and giving us the wisdom and the vision to see. Lord, would you continue to build us up and help us combat the world that we have around us? Give us the wisdom to help others find the tools and the strength that can be found in you and the hope and confident expectation of the world that awaits us. When you wash this one away and you recreate your perfection for us for eternity. We appreciate who you are. We are honored that in addition to being God of all creation, you are our Father. And we are your children. In Jesus we pray, amen. Mm -hmm.